I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. Hey, congratulations. You found it. You found the only podcast on the entire internet that is entirely about the 1987 Rugby World Cup match between France and the USA. You did it. You've looked for a very long time. You've looked for this podcast. You you went through every single episode of Serial. You didn't find it at all. But finally, you've got it. You did it. Congratulations and very much welcome. I listened to every single episode of The Vampire Squid, just to double check, Mm. none of them were about France 41, USA 17 from 1987's Rugby World Cup, and not a single one even mentioned it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And like, look, I understand it's a really, really hard, sudden turn for my dad wrote a porno to make, (laughs) but... But I don't know why they haven't covered France against the USA from 1987, and I doubt they ever will. I... look... There's a certain point where you start to lose hope on these things, yeah. and I'd I'd love to stick with it and hope that you know eventually they'll start talking about it. But I'm afraid sometimes you've got to go through the stages of grief with these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I I am really really hoping that one day James A. Castro and Ed Gamble talk about all the meals they ate whilst listening to watching France against the USA yeah, in 1987. Yeah. Um, we can but dream of all of this. But in the meantime, this is, I'm going to say, the, look, I'm willing to bet this is the only podcast ever done that will ever be done about this game. Yeah. Unless, unless a listener is just a massive shit house and does this one anyway, just to prove this wrong. It's possible. It's possible. I imagine that there will be tons and tons of listeners who are just following up all of our podcasts with better Ooh. versions where they just replicate what we've done. Like doing a commentary, like a film commentary yeah, over the yeah. top of our podcast. Yeah, we should... I think that's probably happening. Like, they're like cover versions. You know? Yeah, they've, exactly. They've heard exactly. what we did when we were playing about with it and yeah. they've basically perfected and got it right. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, they've covered the games, they've talked about the actually interesting points and they've trimmed the Lemie's Crisp segments down to about two minutes instead of seven. Yeah. Yeah. And they've basically trimmed off the fat and made it into a good experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, look, uh, people come here for a variety of reasons. A good experience probably isn't one of those. (laughs) So stop listening right now. And no, okay, this is going to be a wonderful, wonderful experience for you. By the way, uh, who are you? I am Robbie or Squidge or whatever you want to call me. Uh, I go by many, many names, though only one of them is legally on my passport. Uh, who are you? My uh, guy in the passport. <laughs> it's, my, it's a pun on the ten in this game. I, yeah, I, I, get, I get that. That's good. That's a good joke. My name's Will Owen. Although on my, on my passport it says William. Mm. Why is that? Uh, because that's my birth name. What? Given to me by my parents. That's pretty cool. It's pretty Rad. pretty rebellious of you. Yeah. I once yeah. had two of those. Just the one now. Names or parents? 
in fact, I would say both because I do technically have a, a, a middle name, but mm. I just go by one of them. Okay. It's like technically my other parent is still alive, but I don't like him. You know. <laughs> yep, gets the point. Yeah. Um, yep, pretty much, pretty much that. Um, so. <laughs> We are here today to talk about France's game against the USA from the 1997 Rugby World Cup, right? Yeah. Now, all the other games from this World Cup are on YouTube. Every yes. game from this World Cup is on YouTube except for this game, right? I mean, the main reason we haven't done a video in two weeks is the fact that it was Super Saturday, we were very busy, then we both got COVID. Yes. Only you were pretty much asymptomatic. You know, <laughs> I was fine, mate. Um, yeah, was you, were, you were asymptomatic and out in like four days. Yeah. Testing negative. Literally, all that happened when I had COVID was I tested positive and then was like, oh, okay, that's that's weird. I tested again because I was in denial about it. I was thinking like, am I imagining that line? I got it. And then I realised like, oh, I can, I can tweet a meme, which is a reference to um, that KSI tweet when he got COVID. And it was it was all worth the four days of something I had to spend in my room, uh, slightly more than four. But yeah. Yeah. Whereas I was there for almost two whole weeks. Yeah. Unlucky. I tested negative last... Well, I, yeah, I tested pretty much negative last night. The line was basically invisible, but there was a tiny mark and I felt terribly guilty. But also I spent ages researching whether you're still contagious for 14 days. And yeah, I had it probably... To say I am vaxxed up the wazoo, as I believe they say. Yeah, I had a, like a bad cold, sort of. Yeah. I got really out of breath when I eventually walked to Tesco. Struggled to walk up my own stairs. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. You're old though, aren't you? You're like I'm really 400 old. days older than me or something. I am, re- yeah, really, really about 450 days older than you. Yeah. And yeah. really that makes a big difference when we're talking about the novel coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Which it turns out exists. That's the biggest surprise when I tested positive. I was like, oh my God, it's real. It's not a scam yeah. endemic. Yeah, like, yeah. It's a real disease. You can get well, it. Like, you've lived in a household that's had it before. This was my first encounter with it. Like, yeah, I, I haven't had it before. Yeah. And I kind of figured I wasn't going to. Yeah, me and too. And the amount of people that I am seeing now getting it that haven't had it up until now. Like, obviously, a uh, friend of the pod, Tom Rosenfall, mm-hmm. who's the other voice you've heard in this episode. Yes. He currently has it. Thoughts and prayers Do and wishes with him. Do you want to go to rugby? Yes. He, yeah, he'd also managed to avoid it until this week. He's he's fallen prey of it. Oh, man. More and more of them are happening. More yeah, and more of them yeah. are coming down. And Very everyone seems that. to be okay. Yes. But yeah, it's quite a... Quite a quite a funny little thing. Yeah. Uh, quite a funny little introduction to this little podcast. Yeah. So yeah, that's where we've been. But also, it is quite tricky to find footage of this game because, as I say, it's the only mm. one that's not on YouTube. Yes. And I've managed to find the first half before this, before we start the podcast, and I yeah, downloaded yeah. that. And thankfully, I had a copy saved because it's no longer YouTube. Yeah. Uh, it was uploaded under the wrong name. It was uploaded as like Rugby World Cup 1987, like Romania against someone else. Yeah, like, yeah, against Beans. <laughs> remain here against beans yeah. yeah and then the second half we had to really struggle and i managed to you know yeah yeah managed to find a copy of thankfully we nearly recorded this just having watched the first half yeah um, yeah yeah we had that conversation that out. yeah and frankly i'm quite lucky we got covid because it pushed it back a week and meant yeah well, we weren't yeah. gonna record anyway and like god bless the coronavirus yeah i managed to get a copy downloaded and we, we got through the whole game yeah in the end have a copy of the full game so that's and I'm very, very glad exciting. of that for reasons we will come on to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an eventful... I mean, more happens in the first half, I reckon, than the second. Sure. But it's a very eventful game. Yes. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's what France's third game, USA's like, second. Yeah, right? yeah. It's it's pretty hard to believe a lot of these events actually took place. It's really, really big. Mm. So yes, yeah, we look at the teams. Yes, let's let's look at the teams. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So, so both sides make quite a lot of changes from yes. the previous game. Who do you want to uh, focus on you first? Have to kind of core. Should we look at the France team? Yeah, let's look at France. Uh, look at it's France. that weird thing in World Cups where they list one team as the home team, even though neither of them are. Sure. And yeah. France are listed as the home team here. So yeah, yeah. We'll start with them. So th- there's there's a few interesting things. So like yeah, yeah. For example, Pierre Biet. Bezier, who for me has probably been France's best player so far, drops mm. the bench. Although Keith Quinn mentions on the commentary that he is very much rested because yeah, yeah, yeah. the French coaching staff had kind of said during the week that they would be silly not to recognise the fact that the USA are less of a threat than they may face later in the do tournament. You, do, you, do you think that David Kirk is absolutely fuming at this? Yeah, <laughs> I reckon so. He's just picked so. up his TV remote and going... Yeah, he's, yeah. he's like great head boy act dropped for a moment at the four of them resting their key players. Uh, yeah, so in comes, this is interesting, comes if Rolif Mordin. Now, so, Rolif Mordin, if you look at his Wikipedia page, right, he says only having played the one game against Zimbabwe in this World Cup, right, that being right. the only game he ever played for France. However, yeah. he very much starts this, he's listed the starting nine, and the yeah. whole way through the games, uh, Keith Quinn, the commentator, and Earl Kit, Curtin, Earl, Earl, Earl Curtin. our friend Earl. Yeah, Earl. Earl Curtin, our friend Earl. Yeah. Um, everyone loves Earl. Earl... And are referring to him as Rodif Modan. Yes. And so I don't know whether it was him at nine. Right. Or whether it was like... Because he's listed only ever played once for France. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't and aware of that. So I assume it's him. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know whether it's like he pulled out before the game and someone else came in. Sure. It's not Babesier. Like but can that's tell. the thing. It's not Babesier. And like, no. they'd made a point of not picking Babesier. Yeah. And so I don't know if that was it that their second choice scrum off, or maybe the third choice scrum off even well, pulls out and they put in their second, for example. Yeah, exactly. Like, you look at the uh, squad listings for this yeah. World Cup, and, like, he is one of the three scrum halves France take. Yes. Um, so, sorry, two scrum halves. They only take two scrum halves. Right. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so you assume it's him, because it yeah. looks like someone that can play scrum off. Sure. But yeah. also, he apparently didn't play in this game. Yeah. Well, it's a difficult thing to judge 35 years later, isn't it? When, <laughs> exactly. when we don't know who and these like, players are. On like, like, squad patiently. photos or anything. Exactly. Yeah. There aren't photos of him playing in the top 14. Yeah. So it's a it's a bizarre one, but presumably yeah. we're going to say for the sake of this, it's Rodif Mordan. Yes, yeah, we'll go with him. Off. We'll go with Mordan playing. Yeah, playing so making then. his debut before he made his debut. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So another, the, uh, there's a couple of interesting changes in in the backs. So yeah. uh, Patrice well, Lebon comes in in the centres. Yes. Uh, yes, who was a lot of fun. Like I, I had a great time with Patrice yeah, Lebon. I. He, I grew to like him very quickly so yeah, yeah. he was he'd been playing for, he'd been for like, like a year or so he'd, right? yeah, yeah he'd come in like the previous year and he played a bit like he had you know a handful of caps leading into this uh a lot of fun pretty big lad real like handsome devil as well yes like yes, his hair his slick back hair he's it's interesting that we both like i literally have written in my notes that he is a handsome chap <laughs> yeah <laughs> he just really stands out does patrice lebon yeah and um, he looks like a patrice you know, like, I, I really enjoyed... He's like, look, listener, imagine a French centre and up the Frenchness <laughs> by ten. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can imagine him standing with his jacket thrown over his shoulder. Yeah. Nice yeah. hair as well. Lovely. As I was saying, like, his hair, like, cut, whew, lovely hair. Yeah. Like, hair that has not aged that badly to say it was in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. most players in this World Cup's hair looks terrible now. <laughs> of course. Patrice Le Bon... Yeah. Far less so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's giving out tips to Ray Nelson as we speak. The other interesting debut in this backline, mm-hmm. uh, Jean-Luc Sardinet wins his first cap. Yes. Obviously, goes on to win 60-odd, plays 60-odd games for France. Right, uh, yeah. And most famous 
for being the guy who gets on the end of the try from the end of the world. Was that him? That was him. He makes his debut on the wing here. He's normally a fullback, and he takes a fullback shirt from Blanco when he retires. Right. Makes his debut playing on the wing here. Because, like, I got the impression that, like, much like we've said about Sebastian Salvat, for example, for Argentina, mm. I got the impression looking at Sadone in this game, like, this kid is going to be good, but he isn't yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I enjoyed him. Like, he was a lot of fun. But, like, yeah, yeah. It, it was at this point where everybody tried to be fun, and it didn't always work. But I enjoyed watching him. I didn't realise that was him. Yeah, and yeah, that's it's, him. It's that's so him. weird, and like, it's... seeing this in, a, I guess, a slightly, uh, ever so slightly different era. Look, because, uh, you know, Jean-Luc Sardinet was before my time. He was mm. playing for France around the time I was born, was yes. his kind of, like, heyday. And obviously scored, you know, yeah, famous for a try scored when I was a wee babby. Yes. But... Like, I, you recognise the I saw the name Jean-Luc Sardinier right. and I knew I recognised it. It didn't twig and with it's, me. It's because he pops up on the end of that move. That's it's incredible. because he turns up right at the end. And all he does is dive over the line. It, like, it's a yeah. really lazy contribution. It would have been great if I'd known that before watching this. I feel sure, like I yeah. would have enjoyed him probably a lot more for that bit of context. You knew but... that he's one day going to run a support line. Yes. But next time we see him play. Because, of course, we yes. know now that he's going to play in other Rugby World Cups. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so on. <laughs> When we get so, on to 91, 95, yeah. etc. It really will be nice knowing that sort of context and stuff once he takes that fullback shirt off Blanco yes so of course for me the most interesting change in the back line is Marc Andrea is gone and instead Mm. they have moved Frank Mesnel usually a fly half onto the wing and let me tell you he fucking hates it Very, very French, isn't it? Like, he he has the look of, like, well, I'm not going to bother if you're going to play me in this position. Like, I'm not going to try. And I love that. It's pure fly-half shithousery. He's the anti-Colin Slate. Yes. And we'll, co- we'll come on to some of the, the funny things he does later on yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. But I really, really enjoyed him. Like, it was objectively a terrible idea for France to pick him there. But I loved it. Yeah, I loved it for his attitude, if nothing else. Oh, it's an absolute, absolute joy. Then there's some interesting changes in the pack. So with their usual captain, who was, of course, Daniel de Brodka, uh, rested, John Condom takes the captaincy. Yes. And, I mean, he is just very, very angry. <laughs> um, Jean-Pierre Garrier-Lepieu, I think, is the only member of, other than Condom who stays in from the previous game. Uh, Laurier stays in and Eric Schoen oh, stay Sean. in. And Rodriguez at number eight also. Oh, in. Louis, Okay, that's um, quite a lot. So, yeah, but th- there's, a, there's a few changes like Julia Clermont comes on uh, loose head prop. Yeah. There's, now, did you notice yes! who was playing hooker? So this is bizarre. This is something I had absolutely no idea about. Yeah. So at hooker is Pascal Loret. Yes. And we've had a running thing on this of... Players who are the fathers of yes. future internationals, of players yeah. who've played in the last 10 years. And I had no idea when Tessas Loret's father played for France. No, well. so Pascal Loret is playing yeah. at hooker for France. And yeah, he's yeah. Like, it's a very typical kind of trajectory of like fat grumpy bastard playing in the <laughs> yes. front row, uh, to, then passes down his genes to, you know, quite a good rangy open side who is technically yeah. good on the floor and so on. Like, I enjoyed Laura. Have, which means that the third generation of them is obviously going to be a winger. Yes, that's very yeah. true. That's very true. I also love that Laura just could not throw into lineouts at all. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll come on to that, of course. Um, yeah, so speaking of generations of the Laura family, mm. right? So, Wenceslas Laura's father, right? But he's the great-great-grandson. And this is something that I... Yeah, like, is it is a fact. 
that their yeah great great grandfather I think or right. Wenceslas I can't remember I looked at whether it was one of Wenceslas or Pascal's great grandfather an ancestor so I can't I can't remember which one yes. it is okay sure was a really important Parisian tailor um, <laughs> who used to make like outfits for like the the massive upper classes and like one of the most established okay. in France and like okay. made it for like, the French royal family at the time and so on and then obviously France does a France and things change both i suppose you know in many ways the fashions in paris change and they end up being a two-generation international rugby player and laurie pascal laurie had and this came up in the commentary this was mentioned mm-hmm. planned on retiring after the five nations and did you hear that yes like, i did yeah, yes yeah, yeah. go on go on so he was going to retire after, after the five nations that year but was dragged out of retirement by the french management who wanted him to come to the world cup and he was very reluctant yeah so because he was due the month of this world cup to launch an automobile dealership? What? Wait, was that the back... reason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent, like he said, when Keith Quinn said that, I kind of thought like, oh yeah, well, why would you... You know, I assumed that like, he couldn't get the time off work, you know, because he could well, fly, yeah, like, exactly. fly out the other side of the, work, the world and so on. And that would maybe be the reason that it would be something to do with the travel to New Zealand. Because like, yeah. why would you retire after Six Nations directly before the World Cup? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was he was opening an autumn like he'd worked as an automobile <laughs> tradesman or whatever, and he was opening his own dealership. I love the amateur And it was vibes. due to open around the time of this World Cup, and he asked a bit like the Canadian player who didn't fly out because they had to water their seeds or whatever, mm, they had to yes. water the trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar vibes of like he had to open, he had to delay the launch of his automobile no. dealership by like three weeks in order to play in this World Cup. Wow. I, I did not realise that was and the reason. And, like, he's flying out a second choice for the captain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet he was pissed off when that happened. Yeah. I bet he demanded that he started this game um, just to make My it My ancestors it. were very important tailors. Yeah. The least you can let me do is open a car dealership in the shitty bit of Paris. Yeah. Um, I'm aware we've not talked about the USA yet, so should we should we move on to them quickly? Sure. I mean, there's a couple of other like, uh, oh, Roman Favre. Yeah. They're, they're, oh, you know, yeah. Oh, we'll come on yeah, to them. Yeah. I thought... He's good. Yeah, we'll come on to him. But yes. I thought he was... He, he was he was very fun, and I enjoyed how nervous he looked during the anthem. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. seen an international flanker look so visibly nervous. Like, yeah, I think like, I know you're on about anyway because I don't like, recognise him facially. No, like later on, it was game. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see like the back of his shirt. Like I was. Yeah, I, I didn't oh, know him inside out. Yes. It was, yeah, because obviously they were circled up. And yes. he was absolutely shitting himself to play in front of an <laughs> empty crowd against the USA. <laughs> Yeah, no, I enjoyed that. And that energy very much continued as we will come on to. Yes. Uh, but yes, USA. So, the, I mean, the one thing that's important is Ray Nelson is still Ray playing. Nelson stays there. Uh, our favourite our favourite American fullback, apart from Blaine Scully. Scottish American um, fullback. Yes, Ray Nelson, who, of course, had a good game, which we will come on to. And now, on the wing, in comes one Sandy Lomb. And the thing is, I saw the team sheet come up at the start of the match mm. and I was looking at it thinking like, how do I pronounce that? You know, writing down my team sheet. Yeah. Like, is that loom? Is that loam? Whatever. You know, is it like a womb or is it like a comb or whatever? Sure. But when the commentator said Sandy Lomb, I just laughed. L-O-M-B. Yes. Yeah. Sandy but, Lomb. Like, Everything you learn about Sandy Lomb. And obviously, you're like a spotlight on him before the game kicks off. This yes. Is him, this is his, winning his first cap at age 31. Right, so I he did hear that correctly. He taken up rugby yeah. about 18 months earlier. He was, at the time, and um, again, was, was doing this like either side of this World Cup. Yeah. Uh, he was a semi-professional skateboarder. <laughs> he took up rugby. 
what I love is if you do the maths, he took up rugby aged 30 and got into the national team. Or at least like 29. Yeah, like he, sure. he was 29, 30. It's around there. But still, like, he got into it very late and cracked the national team easily. And like, like, I love that about him. The fascinating thing about him is, like, sometimes you see that, like, <laughs> you know, obviously I want a better example, but, like, Israel Folau had not played rugby union until yeah. he was quite an advanced age, but, like, he was a very, he was the best, one of the best AFL players in the world. Yes. And you see that occasionally where, like, you know, Aaron Wainwright was an incredibly good goalkeeper and football, like, sure. left back. Yes. And he would have to translate that into rugby. Yeah. You know, at a later age and so on. And occasionally you see those players that are outstanding at other sports can translate mm. it because they're gifted enough athletes and they have the kind of twitch times and everything that they can just translate yes. skills across. Yeah, the, yeah. The minutiae of the sport, particularly players who've grown up around, like Aaron Wainwright might not have played rugby until he was 18, but yeah. like he was a big rugby fan and he watched rugby. Sure. Yeah. So he knew the game and he played a bit in school and so on. Yeah. It wasn't like he was coming from a complete standing start from a sport that has no. <laughs> yes. Like. Beyond, I guess, using your legs, mm. there's nothing that it has in common with skateboarding. Yeah, because you even look at uh, Ferreira, who played fullback for Zimbabwe, uh, mm. the tennis yes. prodigy, and you yeah. go like, at least, you know, like, hand-eye coordination is a big thing in tennis, mm. and it also is in rugby. There is there is something of a crossover there, whereas, I mean, I'm, I know little to nothing about skateboarding. Well, I did before I got covid and then since I got COVID, I got really into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, man. So I, yeah, yeah, I figured it was like a perfect activity for, I n- never played it like two days before I got COVID. Then the day before I got COVID, I played like a PS2 one for the first time. Oh, nice. I was like, this is great. So Did... now I've got COVID, I'm going to buy the PS5 one. Can you play, play as, that. Can you play as Sandy Lomb on there? You can make your own custom player. There we go. And you can if I had Lomb. more time, I would have made Sandy Lomb, Sandy on, this Lomb. Game, on that game. So, do you want to know a fun fact about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on PS5? Go for it, yeah. It's really hard to recreate Jim Broadbent in the character Because <laughs> it it wants you to make someone that looks like a pro skater in their 20s like or 30s. young and handsome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I didn't realise as well, because there isn't like an assigned gender on it. Yeah. But like the voice, so everything, the character generated when I tried to make Jim Broadbent yes. was a woman. <laughs> and so I had to like manually start taking off all the female parts oh man so like you had to get rid of you know makeup and other features and whatever sure and i started playing them and didn't realize i hadn't unassigned a female voice (laughs) so hey but um, jim broadbent's an excellent actor so i'd imagine that he would be able to you know rise to that task he of course played a female toilet attendant in the harry hill movie there we go of course he did of course he did yeah Yeah. there we go what a picture yes Pretty much uh, but, his best work. I mean, Sandy Lomb, going back to him. And by the way, I'm going yeah, to stick with him being Lomb because that's what the commentators were calling him all game. Yeah, yeah, so he's I'm, Sandy Lomb. I'm going gonna, gonna to stick with that being the pronunciation. But he definitely looks like kind of like... And I've not played Tony Hawk Pro Skater, mm. but I, what I imagine is the default for a character on there with like... with his, I with mean, his, the, the, the default is Tony Hawk. Oh, okay, fair enough. But, fair enough. I should yeah. have thought that through. But I mean, like the ponytail, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they again. The commentator brings up a story about him once playing in knee pads. Apparently, <laughs> I did not hear that. Did you not hear that? Very funny. No, that's like right after his try, which spoilers he scores. Yeah, they say this is the man who infamously once tried to wear knee pads during a rugby <laughs> match. That's yeah. incredible. How, that's how would that work? He just, I think he's, I don't know, is it just like a skateboarding thing? He's just used to wearing sure, them. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of put He didn't realise what sport he was turning up for. 
That's incredible. I love that. Should we look at the rest, some of the rest of the USA team? Big lad, though, for a skateboarder, I suppose. Yes. Oh, yeah, like, yeah no, he was Big lad. lad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll look at some of the rest of the USA team. So, like, uh, Bill Schiffer comes in at nine. Yeah. Austin Owens comes in at six. Is that kind of it? There's that, those are the John Everett and Rick Bailey stay in the front row, who, of course, were like, a lot of fun. You know, Blaine yeah, Warhurst he, stays in. But we, of course, we have Kevin Higgins stays in the 13 shirt. Yes. Uh, after last time, who I had a lot of fun for, you know, in the yes. first game. And of course, and I think the Kevin Sword at Burlingham second row pairing again continues. Yes, which I really enjoy those two together. Yeah, a great yeah, combo. Yeah, just two tall lads who will not, are not afraid of using their forearms in lineouts. Yes, uh, and that's that's it. And they work hard; like they put themselves about. Yeah, they get yeah. all over the pitch. Yeah, like, yeah. I think Burlingham in particular had a really good game. Like, yeah, Burlingham is obviously captain for this World Cup and source yes. of the following World Cup. Like, mm. and you can tell they're both leaders. Yeah, sure. Uh, and of course, I enjoy um, Brian Vizard in addition to the Lizard Wizard um, yes. playing at number eight. Yes. And of course, so there's one other person I think that we need to address before we start this game. This is on the bench. No. No, no, okay. no. But I know who you're talking about. Okay. We'll okay, come okay. on to him. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't get on, but the referee. Oh yes. The yes. referee. So the referee, the referee, Professor Bill Reynolds <laughs> from Cambridge. The Cambridge Professor Bill. It's like people often say, like Wayne Barnes has a very like school mastery way about yes. conducting himself. Like he literally is. He's a Cambridge professor. He literally is, and it's the first thing we learn about him. There is yeah. another really great stat that the commentator stat. I say fact that the commentator comes on to later, which we will address. I mean, well, they mentioned it a few times. Yes. This is the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like more than enough times. But yeah. let's start on the fact that he is a Cambridge professor. And yes. also, like, the image that we've just painted in the head of all the listeners is exactly what he looks it's like. It's pretty much what he looks like. It's pretty much what he looks like. Like, he has a moustache. I looked at him and just thought, like, he's the sort of guy who would suit a monocle. Yes, absolutely. Like, I wonder if he ever asked the players to call him professor, not sir. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you've ever met someone other than our mother who has a doctorate. Sure. Who, you know, I think maybe because, again, our mother got a doctorate later in life. Anyone I know who got the doctorate in their 20s or 30s asked to be called doctor all the time. Yes. Right? Yeah. I get that vibe off Professor Bill Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. That he yeah. asked the players not to call him sir, but professor. Yes. And also, like, I think that there's... Uh, I can't tell kind of how ironic it was, but like, both commentators always calling him Professor Reynolds instead of Mr. Reynolds throughout the game. And like, it felt semi-ironic, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Weird thing, the um, Earl getting a sense of humour in this game. Like his, his right? bit about the showers. Yeah. The whole thing about the showers that like, where he, so for for, for listeners' benefit, because as I said, this game's hard to find on YouTube, so you don't sure. get Earl's comedy roadshow. So Earl says he's recently gone from taking baths to showers recently, <laughs> and he finds this made a really big difference to both his cleanliness and his household bills. And Keith Quinn thinks this is the funniest thing he's ever heard in his life. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever heard him laugh before, like, but he found it so funny. So do you think that Earl was joking there? Or do you think no, I think, telling it's I think it's true. I think it's true, but he was kind of going like, oh, and my bills have gone down, let me tell you. <laughs> and Keith Quinn's like, that's so relatable, Hill. Yeah. And it, I suppose, like, you know, current day is pretty... If you find that out... <laughs> Especially in the context of sports commentary. Yes. But you're right, like, Keith completely loses it. But he, like, explodes laughing. It's yeah. so weird. It's, it's very, like, it's not that funny. It's yeah. not that funny, mate. 
Do you we get to the... want to address the th- the other thing about Professor Bill Reynolds now or later? We'll get on to it. We'll get on to yeah. it through the game. Okay. Uh, okay. Where we haven't started in the game yet. We're almost half there. Yes. Already. Yes. And like, it's an eventful first 10 minutes. Oh, yes. Go I mean, on. like, okay, Go so I'm just going to read out my notes from the sixth minute, right? Okay. My notes from the sixth minute say Clarkson nails his third drop goal attempt in the game to make it free all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because like it's six seven minutes. It's about ballpark. You know what's so strange about that first sort of five ten minutes is yeah. that despite the fact that the USA are constantly in the French half, mm. I'm spending the whole time thinking like, oh, France are going to absolutely batter them here. Yeah, I, I obviously knew the score, but spent the whole yeah, time yeah. thinking like it never looked like the USA were actually going anywhere. But uh, I don't know if that makes it better or the worse. The game is tighter far longer than you think it's going to be. Yeah. And like when you, especially when you get in that second minute, like the breakaway by Sardinay on mm. his first touch. Yes. And like again, you have the moment of go like, "Oh, this kid's fun. This yes. kid's fun. He's going to score the try from the yeah, other like slides on the outside. Yeah. That leads to the, the penalty that the poor kid. Yeah. But yeah, you think at that point like, "Oh, this is a complete demolition job. They should, you know." Yeah. You yeah, and it almost feels like one of those obligatory mercy rule things of you kicking the poison, mm. just going for the try in the first ten minutes. Yeah. Against False the team respect you be and so on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But then, the, yeah, the USA do that kind of, like, kamikaze tactics of we're going to try anything mad that we can. Hence, yeah, three drop goal attempts. Each one misses. They kick it back and they go... It's ridiculous. I'm convinced that Clarkson was sobering up in the first ten minutes. <laughs> the way it was like... Like, it was so erratic, his kicking. And now... Do you know what it was like? Go on. You know in FIFA, when you've got the load screen and you just hit the ball randomly? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, literally. The the other the important thing about mm. Clarkson missing these drop goals is not not the three points that have gone a begging, but the person who collects the ball afterwards, because apart from the one that he nails, mm. he keeps sending the ball down the throat of Serge Blanco. <laughs> which yes. is proven very, very quickly to be a very bad idea. So, in the first 15 minutes, I was under the impression that Serge Blanco was going to score at least 10 tries in this game. Because he was breaking the line virtually every time he got the ball. And then when he eventually did score one, which is like 10 minutes or so in, into the game... Yeah, yeah, thereabouts. <laughs> eventually, when he does score one, he just completely stops caring and pisses about. Like, he really wanted that first try. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's... And I mean, like, the, the first try looks so effortless, but in that, like... Dan Carter, Gavin Henson way yeah. of being better than everyone else. And again, like, and Blanco often has like, that, doesn't he? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, um, when Lom kicks the ball, like, <laughs> that completely aimless punt that he does virtually sideways. Yes. Leaves that absolutely no chase against Blanco. Who, as you say, has been, like, running through everyone, like, like knife through any of the crumpets that he eats 20 of per day. Yes. D- side note, quickly, it's a quick tangent. Uh, so I've been doing this this show for the USA with uh, Sivan Gacy mm-hmm. uh, lately, which, you know, very good. If you want to check out the USC's social media channels. Nice plug. Uh, Love it. Just, yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Me and Siv basically have a go, like, have a, a wee mock argument about how, which hemisphere rugby is better each week based on the USC fixtures. They do, you know, the I don't know how much, like, live recording stuff you've done. But, like, the common question when you're having, for anyone, again, I don't know where they're listening, yeah. when you're having the sound set up and everything, is they ask you, like, oh, what did you have for breakfast? And that'll give them, like, 20 seconds of audio while they're testing, of you, right. like, talking quite naturally. It's like, kind of, yes. like, see, like, 
Uh, and obviously, South African crew recording all of this. And I'm, you know, coming by Zoom and they're testing my audio. And they asked me what I have for breakfast. And I said, oh, well, I haven't had my breakfast yet because we're recording it first thing in the morning. Uh, but I've got some crumpets. And that's probably what I'm going to have after we finish this. And they found that so funny. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I am from the UK and I actually eat crumpets. Wow. I just think it's one of those things that people figure is a stereotype that isn't real. Yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. like... They sell Krampus in packs of six or nine here. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's funny kind of side tangent. Mm. When I was in a third year uni lecture, mm. there was a point where my lecturer explained what a crumpet was, and that was part of the lecture. Was it? What was the? What was the context? So it was, for the record, it was to mm. an international student. So it was from right. somebody from outside of the UK. But nonetheless, there is a strange moment of realisation when you're in a third year uni lecturer and what you're doing is hearing about what a crumpet is. And, you know, she explained it very well that, mm. you know, it's kind of, you've got it and you've got the holes and you put the butter on and then it melts through and it's quite nice. A nice experience for the taste buds. But mm. it, there was a really existential moment of, wait, hang on a second. Have I gone through my whole education system? like journey knowing what a crumpet is and now i've got to uni and that's the point where they explain it it's bizarre it's because it's such a british thing and like, mm. i've just looked at the wikipedia page of crumpets right yes and it lists they are eaten in the united kingdom mm. actually can you guess the other can the other how many are there uh there are four other countries listed right okay all of them are in this rugby world cup in 1987 oh canada canada spot on spot on um New Zealand. New Zealand. Excellent work. Australia? Australia. You're nailing this country. So there's trivia. one more. There's one, one more. more. Is it a European country? No. Um, Actually, sorry, they're not in this World Cup. They're not in this World Cup. Oh, okay. South Africa. But, Wait, South no. Africa. Oh, yeah, okay. South Africa. Which is weird, considering this whole conversation was brought up by South Africa. Yeah, exactly. Crumpets are real. Yeah. So clearly they've fallen out of favour. Yes. The term crumpet was the Scottish nickname for the pikelet, but it's since been adopted as the the wider name, Mm. the crumpet. Welcome to the Squidge Crumpet Retrospective. It's a good podcast. I hope you're... Yeah, yeah, I hope you're you're really into this. Yeah, they're originally like a a different version of the the breakfast muffin Uh. that, you know, was like a a variation on and then bloody, bloody, blah. Crumpets used to be produced in Dublin, but it's really fallen out of favour and it's apparently quite rare now. Uh. Irish crumpets differs from British recipes by having yeastless batter and being cooked on both sides to give a smooth rather than spongy top. This is really educational. Yeah. Crumpets are nice. I like crumpets. Solid breakfast mm. food. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of crumpets. Crumpets are excellent. <laughs> um, there is... like. If you have a really, really good crumpet, it's a borderline existential experience. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, if you get, like, the perfect level of butter sinking, like, oh, yeah, it's great. Like, the best crumpet I've ever had was probably top five foods I've ever had. Interesting. And I don't necessarily remember on, it. Was, oh, but, oh, like, I no, but, like, when, I, when you have a really, really good crump, like, crumpet is generally, like, a, an above average food stuff, right? Yeah. But, like, the best crumpets are so far above anything else in that, like, yeah, six sure. and a half, seven out of ten foods yeah, category. Yeah. To, like, they are probably, like, ten out of tens if you get a really, really good, sure. well-cooked crumpet. Yeah. It's exactly as you like it with the bus dripping through perfectly. Yeah, perfect temperature as well. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. Yeah. 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 Good, good, a good food is the crumpet. Mm. So, should we go back onto the game or talk more about crumpets? Yeah, sure. Um, where were we? On the Serge Blanco try? The Serge Blanco try. Do you want to talk us through it? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, no. Lomb just the most bizarre. Yes. I mean, he like... The th- interesting thing about Lomb, to say he is a skateboarding There's project, a lot of interesting things about Lomb. And, <laughs> yes. Starting with his name. So, Lomb, as I, look, as I say, look, I've played a lot of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater the last two weeks. Yes. And there are no bits where you catch high balls. <laughs> and yet, Lomb is borderline the best player we've seen under the high ball. Right? Like, the thing is, judging by the entire rest of Lomb's game, mm. that's the one thing I thought he would be worst at. Is catching yeah. like catching high balls, and not even just high balls. Like generally, like even like gathering difficult grubbers or mm. taking rubbish passes. Like I think he maybe dropped well, he one ball all his, game. He if that's one of his toe laces, yes. toe laces, toenails, shoelaces. Yes, um, that is sensational. Yeah, sort of thing that would be played in six different angles if it happened nowadays. Sure. Yeah, but like I think yeah, he maybe drops one ball all game if that. Yeah. But the thing is, when he gets the ball. He has no idea what to do with it. Like, like he's he's just about mastered which direction he's scoring in. But he yeah. hasn't got to, like... Like, he has the Juan Lanza thing of sometimes just not caring. Yes, yes. And just thinking, well, if there's a line that way, I might run to it. Yes. But yeah, he, you're right. I think, I think that's a good way of phrasing it. He has just about mastered it. But to a point where it is still notable that he has to think about it. <laughs> yes. Like, again, I mentioned it in one of the previous USA or Canada games... There's a player who looks, tries to pass the ball forward, then remembers. Yes. And I think he stops just short of doing that. You can see that cross his mind a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. And here, he, he regathers a high ball that is hung in panic by the, uh, by the scrum half, by, um, uh, Shiflet. Yeah, regathers high ball pa- hung in panic after a line. You know that thing that used to happen all the time where the forward power through from the line out and the scrum off just shits himself. <laughs> yeah. And, <just> yeah. <laughs> and so the, he kicks it randomly. And, like, fair place to lomb on the chase. Like, excellent chase. He then just kicks it randomly, virtually <laughs> sideways, straight to Blanco, who finds almost no chase. Yeah. And, like, to be, no, to be fair, there's a couple of chases. He makes it look like nothing. Mm. Really, really nice try by Blanco. Yeah. Like, highlights real stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, if anybody other than Blanco scored the first try of the game, I'd have been pissed off, man. Like, yes. he's the only person who I looked at and thought, like, you really deserve this try. Because, like, as I say, it, it looked like he was going to score a hat-trick before 20 minutes had struck at this stage. Mm. Like, And the fact he only got one in that time yeah, is yeah. credit to Joe Clarkson. And also credit to Serge Blanco for not caring anymore after that first try. And then suddenly decided he didn't want to run with the ball anymore. Well, he didn't. He didn't by the time he scored the try very true yeah I think like, he stopped caring about halfway to the try line if he cared he could have put it down under the post yes oh but yeah he yeah. Didn't. yeah yeah and it cost them two points yes which becomes interesting a few minutes later mm. when Lomb himself pops up and scores yes yes and like uh, I, I don't want to like patronise him too much but Obviously, when you get an image for a player in your head from watching it for 15 minutes, mm. I like I almost didn't trust him to score it. And I felt like, oh, great finish. Even though but he then, just caught yeah. the ball and ran it in, you know, sort of. It was... Probably... No, it's like his theatrical dive. <laughs> I mean, that was good. Like, there was yeah. a heart in mouth moment. Because I mean, of, look, like, I, I know what you're saying. Like, it should have been... Yes. It should have been a, this is a really simple finish. Yes. But he managed to make it spectacular. Probably because yes. he's used to skateboarding and doing like kick flips and stuff. And like, <laughs> you know, like grabbing the board. And yeah, watching yeah, everything yeah. Cool. He thinks there's judges in rugby. If and the, he wants um, to get style points. If the Shane Williams skip out of an ankle tap was a thing by this point, he would have done that every time he got the ball. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was actually that's a good that's a good way of explaining who he was. I now realise who he was. Yeah. He, he figured there were judges and wanted style points, mm. but I think it was just deeply ingrained in it. But actually, I don't know because he'd probably just you know like you do in like a lot of those point based events at the Olympics where like you do safe bits in the middle, yes, so that you don't risk blowing anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had none of that. <laughs> <laughs> No, brother all or nothing player. Uh, also, Roman Fevre. Oh, yeah. And I think it's probably about time we we start to maybe discuss it because oh, yeah, okay. he, he was he was a lot of fun, I thought. And, like, looked quite comfortable in the wide channels, which not many flankers do at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed Roman Fevre. Um, yeah, and he, I think he came into his own a little bit more in the second half, but this was his first he... kind of big involvement, but yeah. He had a face that said to me he should have tape over his forehead. I was going to say, like, how would you describe Roman Fevre visually? Well, I mean, do you just want me to describe him and his beard? Like, I guess, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't really describe him, like, what he looks like to the listeners. But I, I well, for, he's for the benefit of the listeners, uh, William is holding a photo of his face up to the screen right now. Um, no, I mean, the interesting thing about Roman Fevre as well, that comes up in commentary again, is his collection of baseball cards. Right. I, so I couldn't tell, because, look, at this point, it, it it feels partially like the commentators are sometimes taking the piss. Do we think the baseball thing was real? I don't know. But they, they say, his hob- the young man, his hobbies include baseball card collecting, snorkeling and home brewing. <laughs> Which is the most unlikely combination of hobbies? It feels like you've just gone into a random hobby generator and typed that in yeah. and just, like, pulled the first three fingers that come up. But, hey, you know, I think for this World Cup, Panini maybe did a sticker album. I hope he was really into it. I hope he got the yeah. himself. <laughs> the other thing is the commentators went really, really in-depth about Fevre. And, you know, he like he scores later on in the game and stuff. Mm. So they, they had... Um, and I think somebody went down just after he scored. And the com- the camera kept going back to him. So they just kept trying to dig up more and more facts about him. And you know what? They actually came prepared. I don't know if this is the first player they actually have been prepared about. And the other thing that they... They, they describe him as an ambitious, anxious, and jealous young man. <laughs> Which I don't know what that means. I think there'd been a... I wonder if there was, like... Ambitious. Ambitious. Jealous. Jealous really stands out. Like, I've never heard a rugby player described as jealous before. No. No. What What about him, like, made them think he was jealous? Like, as an overall person? That's a very good question. <laughs> if we move along... Yes. So Nelson nails touch on conversion. Yes. Which very impressive. Good old Ray Nelson. Yeah, love that guy. Love Ray Nelson. To make it nine points to seven to the USA. Yes. Very unlikely if you've actually watched the game. <laughs> Especially the fact it was Lomb who scored. Yeah, the try. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there was, I guess, a little bit of not quite a business decision, but if Blanco cared, he maybe could have stopped the try. But yeah, who cares? It's just a, a vibes game at this point. Already. Exactly. Exactly. As shown by straight from the kickoff, the USA trying a flying wedge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the thing is, and it like, was really bad. It was a really obvious and bad attempt at it. And obviously, the professor, he's got a PhD in this shit. He knows you can't do it. And like, look, I've never seen the hand gesture for a flying wedge before from right. the referee. Yeah. And like, it looks like the symbol for like killing a pigeon passing <laughs> over the stadium. And hey... If you are the uh, the president of the Rugby World Cup from this point, mm. 
He doesn't want those pigeons, <laughs> yeah. pigeons killed. No, he, he, no, he's there's other very, things that he may like to do with those pigeons. those pigeons, but not not kill them. But yeah, no, that was the first time I've seen that. And the thing is, I think there's a part of me that wonders if they would have gotten away with that if it was actually a decent attempt. But it's like you know how like a shit punch feels more like a yellow card than <laughs> sure, a, a yeah. good one. Yeah, like it was like the Paul James was... getting away with that knockout punch because yes. he floored the guy before the referee got back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the referee yeah, turned yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it felt like the most disconnected. Like I think they had clearly tried to practice it at some point, but just no, maybe only once. And never yeah. corrected all the things they did wrong. Well, and like it's the easiest free point for France. Yes. Like, yeah, just, yeah. It's one point. of these things that, like, if they got away with it, it would have worked. But you're trying it just outside your own twenty-two. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're just presenting France with, between the posts. You're presenting France with three points for nothing, yeah. for no reason. So they were they were in the lead for about twenty seconds. Yeah. It, as long as it took for Laporte to nail the penalty, yeah, was as long as they were in the lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the length of time for the tee to come on the pitch. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, should we just wrap up the rest of the first half because there's? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Bor like what's his face? The prop scores and the yes, Jean-Pierre, Darien, Yeah, and I mean that's probably the most boring try of the game. It's one of those like they've been in the twenty-two for a little bit, and they do that kind of like little fake mall thing that. Yeah, like yeah, all yeah, teams yeah. seem to do in this World Cup, and then well, was... I mean, so yeah, it instead of a rock, they form a ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then Lampere he just ran into just a smaller man and flops over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was as simple as that. Bill Shiflet, yes, falling off the tackle. So yeah, then uh... I actually have written in my notes next to that try. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're going to score, make it blanco. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, France get another try, don't they, just for half time? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they, uh, Saturday scores the first time. Oh, of course, course. yes. Which, (laughs) I mean, absolute howler of an error in defence by Long. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it is like someone's introduced. It's weird because this is before Blitz defence, but he still manages to invent and completely shit the bed on Blitz (laughs) defence. Yes. Yeah, because, like, you, you look at it, and while the ball is kind of leaving the hands, of mm. who is it gives the pass is it Seller? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As as the the ball is leaving his hands. Oh, and... it's before that. It's before Seller's even got the ball. He's <laughs> but like you it's, you see Lomb slightly like coming into shot at the top of the mm. screen, and you think like, oh, that's quite smart. Like he's going to shut. The yeah, it's and like like the um, often... Jack Nineaber defense. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, you yeah. often see that's bang on actually because you often see like Macazole Mapimpi coming in and shutting those down, mm. and you you can see it happening almost in slow motion, and you see Lomba doing that, and then as soon as yeah, like Sela is is actually like, the, like the, the the pass is about to receive, you kind of realize like, oh wait, no, he just doesn't know what he's doing. But he is basically going for Le Bon rather than Seller. Sure. Like, he's yeah, going yeah. for the guy that passed to Seller rather than to Seller. Rather yeah. That's the end of the pass. Like, yeah, he's yeah. flying so far wide of it. It's got very, like, Sean Edwards watching that and kind of, like, his eyes opening up and going, like, no, but there's something there. Like, that didn't work. You know, like, you might not be ready for this, but your kids are going to love it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And, like, to be fair, like, Le Bon does give a really nice pass. I think kind of the, yeah, the yeah. weight on the pass is kind of what makes it. And, like, you know, you don't necessarily need to give Sela good service in order to make line breaks or whatever. But I think Le Bon did that quite consistently I throughout think, the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, his his passing reminds me of his hair in the <laughs> sheer, like, buoyancy of it. Sure, the, yeah. There's, there's something quite fluffy about his passing. Yeah. I mean, that's a compliment. I feel like Patrice Le Bon is the sort of players 
that like are a few directors watched once and went, he's the perfect player. Because he yes. always has it in two hands in all circumstances. Yes. Like there's a point where he, he somehow ends up on the wing, like and he <laughs> gets like a, on the short side. And he still has like he has to out sprint somebody and he refuses to transfer it into one hand. He is the player that all RFU directors think everyone in Super Rugby is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like he he refuses to flat out sprint because he's too focused on keeping his options open and uh, mm. you know uh, which is fair enough when your options are Philip Seller or Serge Blanco. But <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, it makes it, it makes it a pretty easy game, like doesn't it? Yeah. Like, you put me next to two of the greatest players of all time. I look class. Mm. Yes. Yes. So yeah, so I, I I'm a big fan of the Bond. Yeah, and it's a shame we don't get to see more of him up until now. Sure. And I hope we do as the tournament goes on. I hope we get yes. to see him again. Yeah, no, me too, me too. So yeah, so that then. Oh no, almost brings us to half time. Then right before half time. Oh yeah, the yeah. Really stupid try. <laughs> Speaking of Serge Blanco not giving a shit. Yeah, and the, the commentators completely lose their minds at this try, yes. and they're like, "What a try! It's one of the tries of the tournament," and so on. And it's like, if France were somewhat competent, then that try would have been prevented. But like, I mean. Like, the- the thing is, as well, like, we've got to remember the era and the fact yes. that, like, you've got Brian Vizard and the Lizard Wizard and Kevin Sauce, like, really nice interplay. Like, mm. for forwards from 1987, yeah. it's really skillful, like, tier two forwards from 1987. Yeah, yeah. Really skillful and lovely stuff, like, yes. in the lead up to this. But also, I know what you're saying. Yeah, like, yeah. What I love most is Jean Luc suddenly with an early dick of the day contender where he tries mm. to spoil this try with a deliberate knock on and knocks it perfectly into the hands of Warhurst who scores the try and like it's very obvious that he's going for the slap down yeah yeah but and, like yeah because look we I haven't seen much of Brian Vizard trying long passes before this yes but like no doesn't he attempt one in previous USA game that he he knocks on like he throws remember. a ball into touch or something I can't remember I'm sure he drops a pass after a break doesn't he? Doesn't he do the Mac Hansen and then mess it up? That feels familiar. What am I thinking? That yeah. seems familiar. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah. But yeah, like he is completely botching the pass, <laughs> and if not for the deliberate knock-on attempt, he has blown the try. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like often, it's one of the, like sometimes you see it where somebody will take a gamble and just go for the intercept, and it either pays off or mm. it doesn't. But I just love that he has no attempt at looking subtle here. And, and I respect it, it for a debutant winger. Th- look, there's it not paying off and it's not even needing a penalty try. Like, you have gifted them five points, sure. four points, six points. And hey, Was it converted? Can't remember. Uh, I am fine. Yes, it was. I am fine with the fact there's not, not a penalty it. try in this game. Because I, I like rugby, you know? Yeah. And I like tries. That's what I like most about rugby. And do you know who else likes tries? Who? Serge Blanco. Because as Washhurst is heading down, as the ball's falling into his hand, he's got like 20 metres to go, Blanco yeah. is jogging across. And this is something you kind of pick up on the, the alternate, you know, when they play the replay, mm. from the top angle and you can see the full pitch. They don't cut on, Later on in the game. In the corner. The, um, the Blanco. The Washhurst try. Oh, oh, the Washhurst try. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Can the Washhurst try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as Washhurst is running it in, I know what you're to about the, yes. the, the wide angle. You can then see on the yeah. wide angle. <laughs> And this, if it happened nowadays, would be one of the most iconic moments in the history of rugby. In the way like the Tulupe Falata wink is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Unable to make it across, Serge Blanco pulls out one hand and does finger guns. 
I'm so glad that you picked up on that as well because yeah. it wasn't mentioned on commentary. And but like I, he outstretches his arm yeah. and does like a, there's like nothing a else shot. it could have been. No, well we've already seen him playing with an invisible like... ball. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, he leaves so much to the imagination. Do you think he he counted that as a try-saving tackle? Yeah. Do you think that's why, like, at this point, he was only eating imaginary food and why he hadn't ballooned to the size <laughs> he is now? But, like, the th- the best thing is, like, he actually, like, cocks the wrist after he, like, fires yes. the gun as well. Yeah, that's he the does. Best he doesn't just do the fingers, uh, as yeah. I'm gesturing to you on Zoom right now. He doesn't just do the fingers and point them. Because that could mean, you know, I'll mark him, get across, stop him getting under the post, whatever. Like that is yeah, it's like the recoil. Yeah, the recoil yeah, yeah. It's the recoil the shot. Yeah, of, of 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 him firing the shot. And I bet sure you, if we had a, a back back angle, we would have seen him shout "bang." <laughs> yes, and the dirt is gone. Um, yeah, it's as I say, it's one of those moments. I really wish this was in the era of, and there's another moment that's in the second half as well of like replays in close up cameras sure. and slow mo yeah, cameras, yeah. so that we could forever have the shot of him doing the finger guns <laughs> in slow motion. It's phenomenal! It's phenomenal. It should be on all those highlights reels, and it won't be, because who's yeah. searching through... When you've got Francis record try scorer, who's looking for him doing, you know, for a try conceded against the USA, that you can only see from sure. one angle, yeah, yeah, yeah. the finger guns. Uh, maybe at the end of this tournament, if we do, like, a highlights package or something, I'll try and, like, clip that and put it in there or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Because it's very, very funny. It's one of those where, like, I feel like you have to see it to get kind of full justice of it. Yeah, so to believe it actually I, happened. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. And that was um, just before half-time as well. Um, yeah, so brings happened. it in. It's one of those where, like, France have been in complete control of the game, then the USA score in half-time, and it's 22-15. Yes. And you kind of go, hold on, hold on, are they in this? Yeah, yeah. Which... Or 2014, 22-13, 22-13, 22-13. Yeah. yeah, either way, they were, they were vaguely in Suddenly the game. back in it, but, like far yeah. more in the game than it felt. Yeah, 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 like more than they deserved, I think you could yeah. argue. But, I mean, I, I take it what happened to jump into the second half. Oh, no, 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 so half time, half time, right? Oh, okay. Because obviously, right... Having the obviously because we had the two cup the first half only, yeah. and in the version I got the full game. I don't know. Did you jump straight to the second half when you had to change files? Yeah, I kind of skimmed yeah, through yeah, half time. Okay. They had pretty much the full half time show left in, including adverts. Right. So I mean, like, there's some adverts missing, but I ended up doing an unnecessary amount of research onto this. Okay. So half time mm-hmm. gave us as we happened before. You remember? I think it was the opening game. Was it the? Um, uh, opening ceremony. Yes. Where we had the adverts for coming up later on. Oh, TV yes, The Exorcist. Yes, The Exorcist was on. Coming up after this show, right, we had, and these were the three programs they trailed, The Adventures of Robin Hood. Okay. Okay. Fair like enough. A, like a 80s Robin Hood show. Nice cool down time, after right? a crazy yeah. game of French rugby. Uh, the Weather Forecast, <laughs> which they were advertising yeah. as being, yeah, can't wait to find out if it's raining. <laughs> And a show called The Bond. The Bond? Right. And I had no idea what The Bond to James was. Bond? Well, this is the thing. Right. So I went in and tried to search for The Bond 1987. Okay. And it turns out a James Bond movie came out in 1987, so it's really hard to find details on. Right. So I went looking and I found the New Zealand equivalent of the Radio Times listings for this. Okay. From this week. And The Bond is described only as a portrait of modern marriage. <laughs> And what? the fascinating thing is, on the following day, they had four more, 
four shows on modern marriage. What? So what was going on in New Zealand at the time? Was the divorce rate just really high or something? Yeah. And I mean, like, you also have the um, presenter cutting back as well from the thing. And this is, like, so fitting considering one of these things, like, I thought was funny at the time. Then I did a lot of research into this Kiwi television at the time. Sure. And the presenter, you can hear say, my wife won't like to hear that as it cuts back from the static oh as a God. joke. And I've got no idea what he... What did he just say? And why is New Zealand so focused on the, the state of modern marriage in 1987? <laughs> That's phenomenal. I'll tell you what. Everybody watching that, bet they were buzzing for the weather report. <laughs> they couldn't wait. They absolutely couldn't wait. So, right, I then went looking for the Bond. Yes. And I eventually found, because it lists the writer of the Bond, uh, I searched their name and I managed to find a list of their credits on the radio, the British Radio Times. Okay, okay. And it turns out the Bond was a TV play that was broadcast on the BBC in 1984. Okay. Right? As part of a series of TV plays they used to do at the time, uh, that was where Ken Loach got his big break. Okay, uh, you know, pretty cool. He goes on to be one of the most important British directors of yeah, you know, time. But and the Bond was one of this series of, of plays made for the BBC, and they broadcast different each week. Right. Okay. And New Zealand were buying them three years later and showing them. Okay. And so I found the description. I found the synopsis for the Bond. Uh, do you want to hear it? Yeah, more than anything, Chris and Sally have everything. <laughs> They are young, attractive, and about to be married. But more than that, they are the new Britain. Every politician woos them. <laughs> Anyone with something to sell, from glossy magazines to commercial television, tries to seduce them. They are the new middle class. Their parents are working class. Their future is rosy. This is their world. They have got on. They have They have got on. Okay. Most other people are thought to envy them. I assume that's a typo in like the, whatever. Sure. M-B them. E-N-B-Y. <laughs> they are the coming Mr. and Mrs. 1970. <laughs> this came out in 1974. <laughs> and broadcast in 1987. Yep. The Joneses are invited to keep up with. <laughs> a white wedding, a Paris honeymoon and a beautiful London home. They have glamorous careers. Their friends are smart and successful. They have good taste. They know where they are going. They love each other. Are you are you really eager to watch the Bond so far? I'm really eager to watch Robin Hood's adventures. <laughs> Tonight, we are going to look at these people, not as the advertisers and politicians do, but as they are. This is a play by a young married couple about a young married couple, and it is important to all of us. <laughs> is this because what inspired most... Love Island? I think so. It is important to all of us. All of us. Especially politicians. Yep. And this is this new sentence. Because most of us have either fallen in love and married or will do. (laughs) New sentence. And trying to make marriage work is a difficult, moving and hysterically funny experience. (laughs) (laughs) So this this is a British play. Right? Yes. Okay. It's a British play okay. that they're because showing in New Zealand after this game. <laughs> I thought that given New Zealand's obsession with failed marriages, that would yeah. that would maybe work out as a sentence, to, like as a warning, well, a disclaimer to stick on the end. It's clearly why they've put this on. They've gone, what what plays are there about failing marriages so that That's we can watch so them? That's so funny. That's so funny. But Hysterically funny. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's it's really funny as well with the context of the presenter saying about his wife. Yeah. 
those who will want to be Mrs. 1970 and will find Chris and Sally a disturbing pair, those who think the conventional marriage a drag will find them priggish and self-righteous. Priggish. What will you think? That's the synopsis of The Bond. Well, thank you uh, for that. Written by Dawn Pavitt and Terry Wales and directed by Mary Ridge. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, The Bond sounds just as thrilling as this game. And I really hope that there are podcasts out there who have covered The Bond in its entirety. I hope there is. <laughs> yes. You know, like, I might have to go back through the Vampire Squid to see if they've done it yet. Um, in case I've missed that out, because obviously I listened very carefully for France. We could try and cover it. So, the other thing, interesting thing I noticed... Yes. Uh, there was another one in that series of, of plays that the BBC did. Right. Which was written by James O'Connor. Okay. And directed by Gareth Davis. Huh. Which, huge coincidence, they just happen to show names of professional rugby players. But imagine if it was actually written by the James O'Connor and directed yeah. by the Gareth Before Davis. Before they were born, especially. Like, yes. I think that that would, have been, that would have been the icing on the cake. But yeah, also, you know, those being players who aren't known especially for their intellect, but more for their speed and their talent. And that's probably can because they're professional rugby being, players. Yeah, can you imagine being directed by Gareth Davis? <laughs> Thankfully, no. If you're an actor and he's telling you you'll be, uh, be sad or whatever. But the thing is, right, you joke about that. Imagine being one of his forwards. That's actually yeah, what happens. He's got yeah, to direct the, them around. He's not looking for more nuanced performances from them. It's very he's true. looking for them to be angrier. That's true, actually, yeah. Or to be quicker it's a to different, places. It's a different skill set. That's true, actually. All I'm going to say is there's a very different skill set between being Mike Lee and that's true. Being, being Johnny R. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Most of the things he has to say in a rugby field can probably be said in three words or there's less. There's a very different skill set between being Danny Lee and Mike Lee. Yes, nice. It's very good. Danny Lee, San Diego Legion legend, coach, yep. guy. Former Dragon Scrum off. Yeah. What a guy. What a player. Yeah. What a player. What an absolute So player. have you got anything else on um, half-time? No, that pretty much covers it. Okay. Um, I did, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mostly was only interested in the TV listings. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Oh, oh, it's the interesting thing. Go on. The note about the crowd seemingly triples from... First half to the second. Must be the like showers, bro. To the second half. Must be the showers. So, this game was played on Anzac Day, right? Right. Which is the day of remembrance for war veterans in New Zealand. Of course, Australia. of course, yeah. So they're equivalent of 11-11. Mm-hmm. And this controversial because the game kicked off at the same time as the minute silence. 
No. So the, the minute silence is due awful. at midday at the time. And this game kicked off at midday. That's awful. So we can't see before the game if they hold a minute silence or anything when the coverage kicks in. Yeah, yeah. But. That's bad. That's very bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether there's like some sort of protest or something going on sure, there. Sure, yeah, yeah. weird, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's understandable that people were busy. Yeah. Before yeah. It's like filling up. The. Yeah. Absolute terrible scheduling between that and the Tonga games and everything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, sure. It wouldn't happen the these days. Of shit out scheduling. Say. No, yeah, no, because yeah, people exactly. actually double check these things. <laughs> yes, they don't just randomly pluck a day to go. National team turn up then. Be all right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. So second half. Should we jump into? Yeah. Should we go chronologically mm. through this more or less? Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the first thing is obviously, as I said, the USA have found their way back into the game, and then our boys scores. Ray yeah, Nelson scores Ray a try. And what a handoff. Yeah. Is that, that, that was the best bit about it because like they'd had like a, quite a nice sort of number of phases inside the uh, French half, but it, mm. it felt like it would have taken, still needed something actually quite decent to, to break them down. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like the USA's attack in the lead up isn't great. They're just kind of <laughs> shoveling it along attack. the back line. Yeah. And I'm not sure who it is. Nelson They're lucky they'd knock it on twice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who is it Nelson actually hands off in the end? Oh, God, I did write this down. Is it Mesnel himself? Right. Yeah, I think it is. I think, I think it, it is. Might be. No, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. Because this was another point where I think I have it in my notes that Mesnel was just not trying and clearly like turns to his team afterwards in a way of just like, that's why you don't pick me on the wing, fellas, when he has a god awful att- like, tackle attempt on Nelson. It's like if you ever see goalies in handball. Yes. Where they just make themselves as big as possible. Yeah, and yeah. And spread themselves out. That was his tackle technique. His tackle technique was like he's trying to scare off a bear. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and of course, the bear, being Ray Nelson, was not scared. Mm. And then, yeah, he just kind of, like, shuffles inside Mordant to finish the try. And, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's good. Like, it just... it It's a side to Ray Nelson that we haven't yet seen, I think. I suppose so, yes. Because, yeah, we... you know, he's just an interesting looking fellow who levers the ball quite nicely. And he's had his moments in attack before, but like, I think that's the first time we've seen him kind of like, uh, his, the, the strength side of his game. So that was pretty cool yeah. to know that he has that. In one wrist at least. Yes, yes. One wrist and one boot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of cool hair, depending oh, on your definition. Cool of a lot cool. of cool hair. Far cooler than lomb. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, Lom's hair was a lot of things, but definitely not cool. So, yeah, and then, frankly, from there on out, it's pretty much one-way traffic. Well, I mean, so the USA then have that, obviously they score, this puts them right back in the game. Yes. Uh, you know, this puts it to 17-12, mm-hmm. 17-22, sorry. And you think, oh, they're in this. And then when they have that next attack and you think, obviously we, we, said we knew the score, we knew what was happening. Yes, but... You kind of have a moment of going like, oh, if momentum turned a bit, they scored mm. right before and right after half-time. Yes. Or it's five minutes after half-time, but same sort of thing, you know. Like, they've got the first score after the half. Yeah. In those ten minutes. And then, obviously, when they're starting to press. But it's like it's one of those moments where, you know, when sometimes just a moment defines a game in a way that when you see it live, you go, mm. oh, this was never a contest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Philippe Sellers' interception made this game into a battery. <laughs> Even though it only took them out of kind of losing bonus point range, as it were. And, like, that's the interception of somebody who is just taking the piss. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a way it's of, like... like a... It's almost like he's playing against a kid to teach him not to throw that pass again in future. Because he practically walks the try in as well. It's like he looked at their attack and said, that was cute. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> literally, literally. I, f- I genuinely laughed out loud when Seller took the interception because, like, it was one of those passes that is so stupid to throw, especially it, to Seller, who wasn't going to drop and it. And like. it seemed to hang in the air for about a minute. <laughs> yeah. And Seller was the only like, person it, who noticed. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it's extraordinary there were five Frenchmen flying up mm, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they probably just went, oh, Philippe, you got this one. You got this one. The best thing is, as I say, Philip Seller catches that ball from, he's probably, what, 50, 60 metres out uh, when he catches it, yeah, yeah. and then runs it in, not even runs it in, he jogs it, if not walks it in from there. He's been 10 metres. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, like, straight away, you know nobody's chasing him. And even after yeah, he's yeah. put the ball down, you then yes. realise there is nobody chasing him. There's no one, there's no one including his own teammates. Because what he does is he genuinely goes faster to go to bring the ball back 10 metres than he was to run it because he drop kicks the conversion over himself, which I, we've not seen a drop kick conversion yet in this in this World Cup. No, I guess not. It's the first drop kick conversion in the Rugby World Cup ever. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. And he nails it, obviously. My favourite bit about it is he does it right as Laporte appears on screen. Really? Yeah. Like, you can see Laporte come into the corner. So, like, he's gone, oh, God, I'm going to have to follow up and kick this conversion. <laughs> and he's he's selling nail it. And he's like, oh, OK, guess not. It's it's it was just a pure moment of comedy by Seller to yeah. run that try in and then kick the conversion himself. Like he was completely taking the he wasn't just taking the piss out of the USA, but also France. Like of just like yeah, well I'm I'm miles above everybody here. And Philip Seller was never like that. He was never like he was obvi- obviously skillful, but not over the toply showy because yeah. he was just very calm in everything he did all the time. And so it felt really uncharacteristic, but in a funny way to see him yes. then just be, just. Like you'd be there, like, oh yeah, well I'm class, aren't I, lads? Why wouldn't I do this? It's the only conversion he kicked in his entire career. Really? At least his career for France, international career. Yeah. Wow. He scored 128 points for France. Only one that was a conversion. Wow. Wow. That is that's impressive. That's very impressive. Of course, as you say, the momentum swings, and that's then France are then battering them. And then as soon as France have this big dick confidence, what do they do on the very next scrum? But they run a certain set move that we are oh. familiar with. A lot of uh, a lot of teams will call it pivot. call it a stack. We we call it pivot, which is literally that was what I called it when I was an under fifteen. Yes. So literally, you've got a midfield scrum. Every single back is stood in a perfectly straight uh, vertical line behind the scrum. And like, if you're running this in 1987, you think this is a really clever, good move. Yes. Why are you running it when you've just killed the game against the USA? Right. <laughs> because, again, big, at this point, you're suppose. out of your pool. What I love about this, though, because, like, I mean, the, the thing that, that I guess the kind of rationale behind pivot, as we call it, is yeah. it's something like... Teams will have their own code. For example, if I call an odd number, we're going to run to the left. If I call an even number, we're going to run, all run to the right. And the mm. idea is that all of the players run the same direction and you should have something resembling an overlap. Yeah. You should have something resembling an overlap. <laughs> if your 10 catches the ball. Which is, again, like another brilliant like dick of the day moment. As Laporte, call, again, it must be, you know, big dick confidence to call this move when you've just scored this great try through Seller, who's taking the piss. And you go, right, let's make this infectious now. We're, we're all going to take the piss out of them. And then, yeah, he just, 
he drops a ball which is heading straight into his bread basket and like the USA pick it up and they, I wouldn't say they nearly score it. from it but like they go yeah. a distance off the back of it I wondered if he called left to his backs and right to his scrum half or something yeah and he went to throw it the wrong side yeah but it was like it wasn't a bad pass by any stretch from Mordan no, that's fair like, that's fair it was just really I guess funny. I'm just looking for an excuse. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. As, of course, the most experienced runner of pivot uh, in this podcast. Yes. You know, you're aware of the science behind it. But yeah, in theory, a great move. But in practice, you do need your 10 to catch. You'd think. You'd think it would be the idea. Yeah, so that goes horribly. Yes. Should we move on to the Blanco second try? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. this is... Basically, since Blanco scored his first try, he mm. has just, every time he's caught the ball, he's either jogged or he's passed it to somebody else. And the other important thing is, he doesn't come into the line at all uh, between <laughs> his first try and his second try. Like, he's only I mean, catching the ball yeah. on counter-attack. And he isn't coming into the line, like, whatsoever. Or at least he isn't catching the ball coming into the line. Like nobody's Very rarely. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be in the line a few more times, but they don't spread it as wide as him, for example. Mm. But, like... And then the one time he does, it's just like, oh, well, what's the point in the other 29 players on the pitch? Because, again, it's it's LeBon does a skip past, ba- past Seller. And uh, there is probably an air of all of the American players looking at Seller and going, like, oh, yeah, he's the danger man now. Now that Blanco's not trying, we're always just going to mark Seller. And... They didn't seem prepared for LeBon doing it like a skip pass. Yeah. And it lands in the hands of Blanco. And then suddenly it's like, oh no, they've thought of not passing to Seller and passing to the other really good player. Let's all charge at him. And Blanco just really effortlessly like gets through them all. He is, is amazing because it is both effortless. And then when he actually puts the ball down, he <laughs> looks furious at the effort that was required. Yes. Like he, he had to expect, it's, it's like... You know when you're really hungry, right? And you can't just pick up a snack. You've got to go and take it to the toaster. You've got to put it in the microwave. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're slightly annoyed about that effort. Yeah, yeah. That is what Sir Blanco <laughs> has about scoring one of the individual tries of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm not sure how many players he beats on his way to the line, but he just effortlessly glides through Genuinely at least four or five. And like, yeah. I think that a lot of that does come on to Le Bon for picking the right pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because what Le Bon does with that pass is he turns it into a series of one-on-ones rather than like yeah, four okay. people coming into nail Blanco. But there, I mean, there is a point where he has two people hanging off him. So I suppose they should still have stopped him very easily. But yeah. And if look, law of averages, four people try and tackle someone, one of them should get him. Right. Yeah. So credit to Le Bon and credit to Blanco, but also like the USA look very tired at this stage. They look very tired at this stage. They look very tired at this stage. Yep, referee was the try. And of course, the commentators used the third excuse to bring up the fact that, and again, we haven't mentioned this. Yes. Bill Reynolds, the referee. <laughs> professor Bill Reynolds, I apologise. The professor yeah. <laughs> uh, was an extra. He appears as a background character in the Michael Caine film, which was only a few years old at this time, Educating Rita, which is, of course, set partly at Cambridge. And so he appeared as a background extra in that film. And this comes up so many times. Yes. I have never heard a commentary team so dedicated to an Academy Award nominated Michael Caine performance. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. When I turned Mm. on France versus the USA from 1987, Mm. I didn't think... I would be hearing Michael Caine's name upwards of five times <laughs> in the commentary. Like, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that 
like Michael Caine was mentioned more than Michael Purcell on the wing for the USA. Yes. And it's the, but it is the fact. It was like, because Educating Rita had been, was like, I, I, like I had heard something. of Educating Rita. Like I'm not, I've yeah, not, yeah, not it seen came it. Out like nine, like, it came out like three or four years ago. I figured that you would, not, you would enjoy this yeah, a lot yeah, more. Yeah, I've seen it. It's, yeah. It's like, it's, you know, Michael Caine is a professor from uh, Cambridge mm. and he meets a young lady played by Julie Walters, who is a hairdresser. And she does not know much about classical literature. And so Michael Caine goes, I'm going to educate you, Rita, and I'm going to teach you about classical literature. And I might learn a few things myself along the way. Um, and that is a plot of Educating Rita. Right, okay. The Michael Caine film from 1983. And yeah, as I said, partly set at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So I guess he appeared in the background as an extra in, you know. You know what's interesting? So I've just Googled it and Educating Rita came out in 1983. Do you yeah, reckon Professor Reynolds was already refereeing at this stage? Oh, I suppose Let so. alone internationally. A... Because yeah, if you're refereeing internationally, so. you've got to, surely you've got to have been refereeing for you've more got than... To have been, yeah, probably do you think anybody's ever... Do you think anybody... <laughs> yes, that's true. He's a bit biased, isn't he? Cambridge professor. But do you think anybody's ever stopped him and just gone, you're the guy from Educating Rita? Even though I know he's a background character, but still, like I re- I like to think that at some point somebody has stopped him, and uh, and and pulled him up on that. And it's one of those great things that you know, if um, uh, bloody what's his name, the Bear from the Revenant, um, came back, mm. um, whose name has just completely escaped me, Glenn um, Glenn Ennis, Glenn Ennis came back. I hope loads of people would recognise him because the bear is extremely distinctive. Yeah, and obviously, if if you're a great actor. You can assume the role of whoever it is you're put into without the, the help of costume or makeup or anything. And Glenn Ennis, as we know, is a great actor. So I have no doubt that the, the Bear from the Revenant is what he actually looks like these days. Here's a fun fact. Michael Caine said of Educating Rita, this was the last good picture I made before I mentally retired. <laughs> but of course, the Muppets Christmas Carol is after this, so that isn't true. Yeah, that, that is true. And the Muppets um, Christmas Carol is the best film ever made. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. It depends. Are we counting short films? Because I quite like a film. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a really good one called Wallace and Gromit, The Wrong Trousers. That's probably my favourite Michael Caine in that? I, I thought you said the best film ever. No, Michael Caine said it's the best film he made before he, he mentally retired and started filming But you said that the Muppets Christmas oh, Carol is the best film the... ever. Right, Yes. It is both the best film Michael Caine is in and the best film ever made. Yes, okay. Apart from Wallace and Gromit, The Wrong Trousers, if you're counting short films, of course. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to kind yeah, of clarify. Yeah. The best feature film, best feature best film. Best feature film, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. The Muppets Christmas Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a great film. I love it. Great, great. And film. Michael Caine is great in it as well. Michael as, Caine is so good in it. Oh. And this is one of these things that like is well discussed and well documented. But Michael Caine is like career best mm. in... The Muppets Christmas Carol. I would say that he has the best human performance in a Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes, I think that's I think that's very fair. For apologies to um, Simon from In Between Us's mum. Yes, who of pops up midway through it at Christmas dinner. Um, and that was that was mind blowing when I realised that was who it was. <laughs> anyway, so rugby, should we? So there's a massive fight. Right. I count seven bleeding players. <laughs> So what actually started the fight? Because the the fight itself was like was really like iconic in the sense that we spoke earlier about a failed flying wedge. I think the yeah. quality of punches and some kicks as well going on here, the quality was really, really high. Like mm. they were connecting everything. I've no idea what started the fight, but So 
Yeah, so I think it's Saturday. Might have been Mezzanel. There's a player on the way. Yeah. I'm going to go with Saturday being Saturday. Sure, yeah. I rewound a few times, but I can't remember yeah, yeah. who we're playing. Uh, I'm going to say it's 40. I'm going sure. to Saturday. Is being put into touch. Mm-hmm. And from the look of it, from going through it, yeah. he goes to do a handoff, but with a fist instead of a flat palm. Oh! I think that's what happens. Because then obviously it cuts to a replay, it cuts to a player waiting and so on, and they sprint in. To go and join the fight, it was kicked off, and it's basically like a thirty-man brawl. Like yeah, everyone yeah. is. Oh in. yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I think it must have been Mesno because he goes off injured after this. Of course, so he must have been the, the start. Of course, he does. He yeah, must yeah, been yeah. The, so I think let's say it's Mesno. Yes. Well, I I should have checked this. Um, it's, right, it's fine, but yeah, no one cares. So yeah, so let's say Mesno. I think goes and tries to do a handoff, but with a fist, <laughs> essentially hits his opposite player in the face. Who um, was one of the forwards? I think it was Austin Owens, the flank. Yes, yeah, yeah it, was. Um, it, was, it was Owens because yeah. Owens gets a punch in, and like I hadn't noticed Owens all game until no. he throws that punch, and it's like, oh my god, that's a clear red card. And for the record, no cards given, <laughs> no cards given, no cards given. The only change to the teams on at the time is that obviously Mesnel goes off injured yes. because he is bleeding out of both nostrils. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure every orifice he has has at least it's a drop just, of blood coming it's out like, of it. It's like something from a horror movie. Like <laughs> yeah. He's got blood streaming almost out of his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, probably his nipples. Yeah, yeah. They're looking forward to PG Robin Hood coming on after this, so to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and at the time, they didn't care. They didn't do that thing of not showing horrendous... Oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah. And, like, <laughs> I enjoyed um, Earl Curtin, like, just reveling in it. And just, like, he. I think he genuinely said something along the lines of, like, oh, you love to see these players getting stuck in, don't you? It's usually, nowadays, you yeah, get well, commentators says, saying, like, oh, yeah, this is awful scenes. Which is like, says, oh, it's nice to see passion. He says, it's not like rugby, but you love seeing the passion. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's like, hey, mate, you don't watch enough pro day, duh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also... It's a great moment of oxymoron. Yeah, it really I'm like, is. look, it's not rugby, but I do love a cage fight outside a pub. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so so Mesnel goes off with pretty much just being held together by two doctors who are like not carrying off because he does like, walk look, off. He does walk like, off by himself. But we we are we skimming over the. Go on. I mean, like, Go so on. no. I mean, the oh yeah, yeah. Just the sheer amount of violence feels like it should. <laughs> And yes. I know it only lasts about 30 seconds, 40 seconds or something. They pack a lot in. But they pack like, eight rounds into 30 seconds. a lot of, like, Kevin Swords stops just short of getting Swords out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He elbows his... Oh, I suppose it's not his opposite number. He's, he's four. Uh, Alan Loray is five. Yeah. But uh, elbows him straight in the face. Yeah. Joe Clarkson gets in there. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the other, uh, the other, was the other moment I mentioned, there's another moment later in the game that I really wish we had in, like, close-up slow-mo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, the player that is probably Rodolfo Modan, his spit. <laughs> I didn't see that. Did you not see it? No, I didn't see a spit. It's not see it. Like, Earl brought it up as like, I think that's the moment he was referring to as not being like rugby. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. He spits on, I think it's Tommy Vinnick, the centre for the USA. And like, I think, no, I don't know this because I said there's no close-up angle. I think it might have gone in his mouth. Oh, which is disgusting, especially in times of COVID. Yeah. Watching this on the drag ends of having had it as we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one person, of course, who isn't involved 
is mm. good old jealous Roman Fevler himself, who is just standing up. And it's like, there's something really ironic about the fact the open side flank is the one person not getting involved in the fight. Um, <laughs> yes. But it, it, I mean, it definitely... The coward. Yeah, it definitely backs up, you know, the anxious description that was given to him earlier on in the game by Keith himself. But yeah, I enjoyed that. I also I also thought uh, one thing... He doesn't want anyone getting in on his baseball cast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's off the player by himself. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed Patrice Lebon's like, attempted flying kick, especially after he'd looked so calm <laughs> all game. The fact that he then but went like, with like, studs up. slide tackle yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, he, he gets very low in order to elevate sure. his leg. Yeah, there's clearly like a level of thought had gone into that. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who I would have exposed that from. Yeah. Sandy Lomb. Sandy Lomb is definitely somebody who he's I thought He's used of... to doing those kind of like kick flips and stuff. Very on. true. But he's barely involved. He's just sort of holding people as far as I can see. Yeah. Maybe he actually just like kicks someone in the groin, <laughs> spits on them, and then more rugby. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the I mean, that, the, the fight results in no penalty. No, in fact, there's a penalty given. There is a penalty, penalty, given, given, penalty given to France, which yes. they kick at goal. But yes, that is it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a monumental kick, and it's um it's not Laporte who kicks it's it over. Maldan, it's Maldan, Maldan kicks no. it over. Yeah, which is sure, just just yeah. do that. But uh, but yeah, that was it. There was no cards given. But of course, Mesnel has to go off. Of course, bleeding. Yes. And can we talk about the guy who replaces him? Yeah. So, do you want to tell us his name? So I'm going to go with the pronunciation Jean Jameloki Lahangar. Yeah. But, but... It's sort of... When it's written down... Yes. You do read it as Jean Jamiroquai. Lahanga. Lahanga. Yes. yes. Lahanga. And, like, the commentary team really, really struggled. They evidently had looked at the team yes. sheets, but not gone down that deep into the reserves. Because so, he's the last he, person on the reserves bench as well. He, at the time, was a massive fan favourite in Toulouse. Right. And there had been, like, reading up on this World Cup beforehand, mm. there'd been some controversy about him initially not being in the touring party. He'd only got one cap, which was against uh, Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic, obviously, a few years earlier, where he'd scored six tries and then hadn't played again for France. Uh, that was in 1985. Right. Hadn't been in the squad since. France went 82-12. Six tries. But he was, like, he was like a massive favourite to lose, and he was, like... Seen as like he was a utility back, but like because he mostly played fullback for Toulouse, mm-hmm. everyone was like, "Well, he's not as blanco." Right? Yeah, yeah. It was the kind of Baptiste around the Antoine Dupont at the time. Yeah, yeah. Or like Jalabert Vian Tamak were like, "This guy's very good." Yeah. But we've got an all timer in that position. Sure. Yeah. And if you're arguing we should pick the guy who's very good instead of the guy who's an all timer, you're a bit silly. And Lahangar was that kind of like that kind of mold from what I can gather. What's the thing about the Tory party you just said? What? You just said that it was very controversial that he wasn't in the Tory party. Touring party. Touring party. Oh. He wasn't that... in the squad is what I meant. He wasn't. Okay. No okay. one was really angry that he's not pro-raising energy prices. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> like, um, I mean, he isn't in the Tory party either as far as we know. On the as far as we know. Retrospective. As far as we but... know, he has had absolutely nothing to do with the shocking state this country's in. <laughs> Especially to say he is French. Yeah. 
but yeah, uh, it is funny because like his uh, the second half of his first name is like Jamiroquai, but with a Q U Y on the end of it instead of a Q U I A. Yeah, like Aronoff. But obviously, yeah. this is this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is obviously like long. Well, not long before, but it's probably like you know, like ten years or so before. Yes. Pop collective Jamiroquai existed. Do you think when Jamiroquai appeared, people were going like, "Oh, it's like that former friend <laughs> yeah. utility back." I like to think that's who they were named it's like, after. It's like when Justin Bieber had a big hit. I was like, "Oh, it's like the utility back one," but. Benoit Babby. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Or Benoit Babby, 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 yeah. Yeah. I like to think that JK from Jamiroquai's hat is, <laughs> in fact, based on Patrice Le Bon's hair. Yes. But yes, so uh, Jean Jamiliki Lahangar. But I, I'm, I'm guessing at that because I think genuinely every time the commentary says his name, they said it differently. Mm. Of course, they didn't say it as Jamiroquai at any point, which is no. annoying, but that's because they didn't have that word as a reference by this stage. I, guess I so. imagine if, if, if now, he came through today, then they would definitely have called him Jamiroquai and made a lot of jokes about the virtual insanity of him being on the pitch. Exactly, him unleashing some canned heat. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you know what? The, the L at the start of his surname is a little L. Nice. It's a Jamiroquai song. Uh, his opposite number on the bench as well. Uh, we mentioned this before. It's called David Prime. Yeah. He doesn't come on. I know nothing about him, but he's called David Prime. It's one of the joys of this World Cup is seeing unused substitutes with funny names. Yep. Yeah, David Prime. David is... Prime, Metroid's cousin. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, he's and the, Optimus he's the common is on cousin the other side. between Optimus and Metroid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, so where are we? So yeah, Modan kicks that penalty, and then there's only one more try left of the game. Yeah, However, right at the end, final play. It is our boy Jean Jamiric. Yes, look, John Jamiroquai the hanger. Let's call him that. It's his one touch of the ball. Absolutely <laughs> electric, though. But the you thing get- is. The thing is, like, he scored six tries in his debut. He gets the ball once in his second game and steps, like, the entire team. And looks, he looks like Shane Williams, like, yeah. the way he runs. He's phenomenal. But and then gives, uh, Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, like, and he has the awareness to give the pass back. Well, and I, you he, say the awareness. He wants to score himself. He looks to go himself very sure. much. But I still think he maybe still, could yeah, have scored. Yeah. Like, you know, like, if he was a little more, a bit more selfish than he already was. Because, let's be honest, when he threw that first dummy... Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It very, it, he very much looked like he should have been marked up, and it was, it was very much that thing that like players like kind of Marika Colombete have, mm. uh, Duan van der Merwe, you know, where like they should pass, but because they're who they are, they just break the tackle anyway, and it yeah. doesn't matter. And he kind of had that, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, look, like tremendously balanced run before his offload to our boy Fevler, who scores the try. Yeah, make a baseball card for that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yes. Just like, I think it's quite a good support. It's like ahead of his time support line by Fevra. Yeah. Uh, who isn't the sort of line you saw Sevens running that often at the time. Mm. It's the sort of thing that like Michael Jones did a few times in those old games. People go like, this is revolutionary. Look at the Seven running like he's a scrum half and always on the shoulder and so on. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And so like, it's a very good line. Very good line by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I especially like, so as, as he goes over uh, and like he, he dies for the line, you mm. know, it's a, it's a great support line. And then he basically has to just kind of like run direct to, to kind of get the ball over the line. And <laughs> Keith Quinn saying, this young man, well, he loves salsa. And that's a, that's a run that any salsa dancer would be proud of. And it's like, we have so much information on Roman Fevre. Right? Like, like we know I, about I his say, hobbies. Like, he must be the one player they sent out for press or something, or like that had mm. an article done on him or something. But he's like a ten cat flanker. Yeah, from France. Like it wasn't like they had all this information on 
any of the, you know... Or at least they weren't giving it to us. They had sim- like, similar levels of information on him to Philippe Seller and Serge Blanco. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not as funny with Philippe Seller and Serge Blanco because no, instead, of, instead of baseball cards, it's like, oh yeah, Philippe Seller a has a dog. Like, yeah. And sadly, there were no dogs on the pitch in this game. <sighs> Got it. As, as far as we could see, of course. But yeah, anything else to add from the game? I mean, there's the interviews post-match. Yes, there's the interviews post-match. I mean, so uh, Jean Condom can barely speak English. Yeah, sure. I almost said he can barely speak French, which I wouldn't he can't be surprised speak. as well. But did you notice what was in his hand? I sure as hell did. Dude got has... Match Dude holding a cigarette, basically <laughs> making the minimal effort to show that he's like... He's, he doesn't smoke while the interview's going on, but it's still in his hand. <laughs> you can see exa- that, like, he's kind of wanting to hurry the interview up <laughs> yeah. because he definitely wants to start smoking. He that needs thing. another The drag. other thing that I found interesting is, where did he get that from? Because you can't see anyone, like, give it to... Uh, I suppose the camera does, like, kind of cut to him in the tunnel already. Mm. But, like, you can't see if he picks it up from somebody or if he's just, like, had it know, in his like pocket or the sock the whole like game. Like, we've seen all of the other interviews during this World Cup. They'll come out after they've had a shower. Like, I figure instead he went for a cigarette. Because he's still yeah. got a shirt on when he comes yeah, back Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not a given in this World Cup, which is an sure. insane thing to say if you haven't watched any of these games back. <laughs> but then, obviously, they then ask uh, the USA captain, of course, uh, Ed Bullingham, mm-hmm. what he thought of... The, and they ask him, like, it's one of those really leading, like, really rude questions they ask at the time of, like, are you really ashamed of your team's performance yeah, today? <laughs> Absolutely brutal with that. And he replies, and I had to write this down word for word, look, man, my team is my bond, and I'll back them every day. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't remember the exact quote. But I remembered that he said something about a bond, which nice. when you mentioned the bond, the bond, uh, it immediately made me think of that. Yeah. So, but yes, my team is my bond. Is it's a very Michaeli Lamoureux thing to say. <laughs> it is. Um, yes. Yeah. And like, it must be shit getting asked those questions. Mm. Like, obviously, you don't really get them that much these days. But yeah, it must be shit getting asked those questions all the time. And I think he probably handled it quite well, even though yeah, you know, we're taking the piss out of it. But his I think team, that he couldn't have spoken better. His team is a play painting a accurate portrait of a modern marriage, right? Yeah, and I tell you what, maybe he was paid to say that with all of the conversations going around about modern marriage in New Zealand. He was paid all the money in the world. Oh my God, this is where it started. So we're going back in time before Randy Gomasol got all of the money in the world. All of the money in the world origins. Yes, so it used to belong to Ed Burlingham. Someone, no, someone involved in promoting uh, TV New Zealand... Involved yes. in promoting the Bond and its appearance on... Wait a second. Maybe it's that presenter and he doesn't want his wife to know that he has all of the money in the world. So in order Because he's not it sharing it with his wife. In order to break it to him subtly, he's going to go, we're going to watch this, this damning portrait of modern marriage in Britain. Um, <laughs> so we're going to watch... In order to, to talk his wife into staying and watching the Bond when he gets in, this presenter from Kiwi TV has paid all the money in the world... All the money in the world. ...to Ed Burlingham. Now, yeah. this leaves us with a, what, 30-year gap? No, 20-year gap. It was 2011 to... Yeah, 20... 
year gap. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 yeah, 24 year, year gap. gap. 24 year yeah. gap. That would do. Yeah. Good maths. We've got a 24 course, year gap where we don't know what happens to all the money in the world. And not this yet. says to me, we need to watch all of the other Rugby World Cups between now and I think and we do, man. Look, I thought we were going to just park it after 87. I thought we were going to do two series and bow out. But now, I'm committed to doing every damn World Cup, bro. However, I think that is for another time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can't do that all today. We should bring this down, bring this episode to a close by doing our Man of the Match. Bring the old curtain down. Lovely. Dick of the day. Yes. Do you want to start with Man of the Match? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, So there's a few players who I think played very well. Mm. I mean, for the USA, I think we've not really mentioned him much, but I think Glenn Warhurst had quite a good game. Uh, I think that he was good good at sort of in contact and stuff. I think for France, Roman Fevre is somebody that I really warmed to as it went on because he surprisingly comfortable catching the ball which you know is something that you take for <laughs> yeah. granted uh, or don't take for granted rather in uh, 1987 games but my man of the match has to be Patrice Lebon I just thought he was so fun I think you know he passed the ball well he looked comfortable when running with it and yeah I just think that generally his partnership with Seller was 80 minutes the tie will saver absolutely you were Philippe Saver nice so yeah, so I I agree actually on Warhurst. I hadn't had him jot down as a contender, mm. but like I think he actually has a very good game. You think yeah, right? yeah. Kevin Higgins we haven't mentioned at all since we did the course. Yeah. Again, very solid performance. Like he, he looked is... competent, which was difficult. I like Kevin Higgins. Yeah, I like yeah. Kevin Higgins, the rugby player. And yeah, I mean, there's look something between this USA team and the current Ireland women's team in having a thirteen called Higgins. Um, yes. Interesting. The only two Higgins I can think of are playing rugby. Um, both of them again related to the one from Ted Lasso. Yeah, we then have yeah. So France, uh, we didn't mention how dominant the pack were, but their pack were completely on top. So Jean Pierre Gary Lempou scores a try. Mm. I think like completely dominant scrum. Yeah, that's true. We're not really talked about scrums much, no. have we? But yeah, Jean Condom looks just angry the whole time, and I think he deserves points for that. As I say, Roman Fevre, I think is really close to me. I think he could be. Mm. I was sort of torn between Fevre. And Patrice Le Bon, who you also mm. mentioned. And Blanco, I think, deserves mention. Well. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is magical it whenever just, he does anything. But it he feels, is... like, too obvious to give it to Blanco, does, in a it way. It does. And because he wasn't trying. You want to give it to somebody who was. So, you know what? I'm going to agree with you and give it to Patrice Le Bon. I think yes. Patrice Le Bon, really just, like, classy player. Like, I'd love to see him play nowadays. Mm. He's a very modern player in, kind of, you know, for, for everything else. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, you imagine if he was playing nowadays and coached to a decent standard. Yeah, there'd be there's there's raw materials in there, aren't there? A lot more product in his hair these days. Um, That's true. But otherwise, could be. Yeah, you could. I could see how he would translate up. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Dick of the day. Should I start on this, or do you want to? Ah, yeah. You start. You start. Yeah. Okay. So I I teased this earlier, Mm. but it has to be Frank Mesnell for me because. Right. I think you know the point that I'm about to mention. I mean, there's a few points. Sure, sure. I mean, the handoff that is a punch is a contender. (laughs) Absolutely. But his sheer unwillingness to play on the wing instead of fly half. And so there's so many times where he basically gets the ball and you can almost see him thinking, what wouldn't a real winger do in this situation? (laughs) And he doesn't go down the wing at the right times. You know, he doesn't cut in at the right times and so on. However, there is one stage where Guy Laporte is tackled, goes to the bottom of a ruck and he goes, this is my time. I'm going to stand in at 10. And then 
the, the best thing like he'd spent the whole game clearly actively trying to do nothing by playing on the wing and then he comes in at 10 and goes right I'm going to show him who's boss. And he attempts the world's worst through the legs pass you will ever see that flies over two players' heads and lands on the floor behind Philip Seller, who like then gives him a look, like as he's regathering the ball, gives him a look of just like, you dick, why have you done this? Like trying to like over impress in his one stint at first receiver. And then, yeah, spends the rest of his time stood on the wing looking bored and annoyed. <laughs> I think it's a very, very good shout. As I say, I think that is a dick of the day moment. Yeah. I think punching someone with my hand off is a double dick of the day moment. Yes. I think virtually everything Sandy Lomb does <laughs> is a dick <laughs> of the day moment. Also, Joe Clarkson attempting three drop goals in the first ten minutes then barely touching the ball after that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, some, it's some heroic fly half work and actually I admire I, it too much to give him a dick of the day. I especially like that he gave up attempting drop goals after he finally got one. <laughs> yes. It's like he was just going until he got one. He was like, okay, I've done that now. I'll try something Yeah, else. yeah. One off the bucket list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've nailed a drop goal. That's all I really wanted. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm gutted we didn't get any halftime team talks because I felt like it would have been a great game. Oh, it would have. It would have. Especially I want to see John Comdon with his sheer, like, quiet anger. Like, you know when you're seething and you don't want to say anything in case you mm. pull out the handle? He had yes. that energy all game. And I wish yeah, he could yeah. see his team talk. And I want to nominate the TV director as well for not giving us team talks. It's very true. However, if we're to go in the kind of truest sense of the term, of mm-hmm. Dick of the Day, there are really two contenders, and they are France's two best players. <laughs> so, Serge Blanco deciding he isn't trying 10 minutes into the game. Yes. And very visibly giving up the point he's doing finger guns instead of tracking across <laughs> like a tackle. I love that so much. And Philippe Seller, who, again, in that one moment where he completely kills the game for the USA... Dickish, killing off a tier two nation. No one yeah. likes it, mate. No one likes to show off. And then drop kicking the conversion to piss his own ten off when yeah. he's playing in the centre with him. Yeah. It's heroic again, and I respect it for Joe Clarkson too. Oh, much. yeah. Yeah. So my dick of the day for giving up to the point he's trying finger guns of the tackle, which is some real, real Pujar Bear shit. Yeah. Properly Pujar Bear. Oh, he'd have loved Blanco. playing this game. Yeah. He absolutely would have. Where he would have fit he? in. Yeah. No, that's a very justified Dick of the Day selection. And, and that also moves Serge Blanco into first place on the Dick of the Day suggestions. Does it now? Interesting. Does. Very interesting. Okay. Above so... Pedro Lanza. Oh, man. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. That's one Lanza of each on two. Okay. He's <laughs> nudged above them. The equivalence of the Rodriguez's and Antfinger uh, back, yes. back in 1997, which makes it probably a bigger yeah, yeah. But yes, so that brings us through an extremely chaotic game, which I yeah. enjoyed very much. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to believe what that actually happened in one game. Sure, yeah. It's just like, it's it's an absolute... Honestly, it's a it's a treat of open match. If it ever ends up on YouTube, it's well worth watching. Yeah. It's well worth just kind of like, like just looking at what happened and watching sure. it. Yeah, if you yeah. Can, if you ever get the chance to watch this game, you should watch this game. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it's... It was I mean, probably, it's also, no, it's also it, still a 1987 game, so it's still shit. It is still shit, it's but still I, I would say terrible. it's up it's there just, in the sort of top three games of the tournament so far. It's one I've, I've it's terrible, but I have enjoyed it. Yes. And I don't know if I'm just getting like Stockholm Syndrome with these games now. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's And it's just setting it. in a bit. And I'm really, really going to join next week's game, which is England against Japan. Yes. England 60, Japan 7. Uh, we're hopefully going to have a guest back for that game, so that should be... Yeah. Quite exciting. 
Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, please join us then for that. And in the meantime, I hope you've had a really, really wonderful time. I, I, I loved your company. I've loved you coming. I'm absolutely made up that you came and joined us for this game. And I would adore seeing you next week uh, for what will be a real treat when we do England against Japan. William, anything last to say before you go back to your passports? Which is what you do in your spare time, you just look at your yeah, passport. Yeah, I'm just going to look at my passport for yeah. 24 hours. No, I would just like to say thank you for listening. And good night. Or morning, or afternoon, or day. Thank you. Thank you, Truman Burbank. We'll see you for England against Japan. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful, wonderful life. <laughs> Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 